Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Welcome to this week's episode of Married with Movies. I'm one of your hosts, Samantha Mullet. Sitting next to me at the table is your other host, my beautiful husband, Chris Mullet. What the fuck did you just flick me I for? Was, that I'm trying hurt. to get that off of you. Jesus, buddy. I hope that was made, I hope that made an audible fucking noise. That's why I don't like recording uh, not on the couch because like you are in even more of an arm's reach for me. I'm gonna have a council in front of me that'll like protect me and help me. But nope, you're just right here on top of me because we have to be on camera. And then we eventually have to pretend to be nice for the guests we, so they're not super uncomfortable. We never pretend to be nice. Very true. Joining us in Chicago, resuming our guest star series after uh, uh, a long hiatus. hiatus from nobody's <laughs> fault but our own is Spencer Hamilton. Spencer, what's going on, buddy? Oh, hello, everybody. Hello there in TV land. We're <laughs> It's just like, a, podcast, just like every other podcast you've been doing for the past 10 years. <laughs> yeah, past decade or so, yeah. Can, can I talk, can I mention what movie it is we, we watched yet? Of course, yeah. They'll, they'll see in the title. Yeah, go for it. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about Sergio Leone's masterpiece, Once Upon a Time in America. <laughs> was, that, was that your joke before we started recording? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? I, I don't remember what else I was looking for. Oh, I know what it was just a while ago. So you may remember this movie, Spencer, but a movie from like when we were kids was an anime movie called Once Upon a Forest. No. It was like a hedgehog, a badger, um, like a know. meerkat or something. No, it wasn't a meerkat. And uh, like, I, I think it was like, an echidna, right? It was, the song, it was a fox with two tails. <laughs> and there was this big robot Eggman. Um, and no, no, that's something different. We have it on DVD, and Jillian got like really into it over the past really year. Really into it, yeah. And I was trying to like recall what one of the voices was, so I looked up on Wikipedia, found it, and like when I was doing my research for the movie and whatnot, I kept pulling this up. Once upon a force just kept coming up, like autofilled, and I was like, no, why is this the thing that my phone thinks I want to see at all times now? Because I looked it up like twice. So have you watched it with her? Maybe maybe you need to rewatch it. Maybe there's something at some sort of advice in the movie that you need to take uh and actually it's it's a kids movie that came out in like 1993 so of course it has some like up your ass environmental message in it sure um from goalie <laughs> i mean they're right <laughs> I, I say that like ah, whatever hindsight is <laughs> but like it's everything from like 90 to like 93 94 kids entertainment was like from yeah. yeah there was literally a, a special visit of rocco's modern life about recycling yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Every everything had it. So, um, yeah, it's 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 one of those things that kind of holds up. But it it. I'm know, so there's... glad we're we're over that now. Have you guys seen Avatar? The new one? <laughs> no. So, no I'm, I refuse. I'm not going to see it. Oh. <laughs> well, it's a it's a good segue because what we I'm trying to get back into the swing of things. You know, we had the guest star series, 
and we stopped right around the time that we moved because it just became too difficult of like, all right, we're going to like sign a lease and then have four people come in or sign a contract and then have four people come in. And then we have to schedule like a two hour block with our friend in Chicago. And it's just like, we got to put it, 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 was a, it was a lot. We were a little overwhelmed. So starting back up in 2023, once a month, we're going to have guest stars on the show. We're going to have new ones. We're going to have old ones. We're going to have ones that are coming on with, you know, different guests that haven't been on the show before doing a bunch of cool things with it. But we're picking right back where we left off with Spencer. If you are new here, uh, Smith and I are married. We own a lot of movies. We talk about our lives. We talk about the movies. That's as simple as that. So what we normally do with our guests um, that join us is ask them kind of two fundamental questions because they kind of are what Sam Sam I tackle at the start of each show. Uh, What was the last movie that you saw um, that was like kind of like newer? So in theaters or if you saw something streaming, what was it? So when you brought up Avatar, that's what piqued my memory. Uh, I don't. If, if you gave me a few minutes, I maybe could remember the last movie I saw in theaters, but the most recent newer movie I've seen was uh, Barbarian with Justin Ooh. Long and uh, some other people. I saw Barbarian on a, I went down for a work trip uh, to my old neck of the woods in like the Stewart, like Martin County area. And I went like the night before and I was like, I have nothing to do. So I went to go see Barbarian by myself and it fucking ruled. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Um, it's, it's one of those movies uh, I love. Every so often you see a movie where like, to be specific with this movie like the first third of the movie is like one thing and then it's just like nah fuck you here's a different movie like oh shit (laughs) yeah this isn't spoiling anything at all but like the hard cut to introducing justin law's character compared to what we just saw was just like oh yeah this is exactly my thing (laughs) yeah it was so good especially because the only thing i knew going into the movie is that he was in it so for (laughs) for the first like 20 30 minutes i'm like what the fuck is happening it was i've been talking about it so i i'm not the biggest like horror head in the world but over the past like year or two there's been like some really really good elevated horror out sure yeah getting into so between that between smile which i also saw and really liked still i've still not see that and then there's another one that i was just talking about not too long ago and there's things like i haven't seen that i'm curious about like terrifier yeah um, my my one of my best friends, Andrew Zengri, uh, saw Skin of a Rink. Um, I've seen so many people talk about that. He he like hated it and then like couldn't stop thinking about it. And I was like, oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely I'm definitely getting into it more, and I'm very excited for uh, Samantha. will have to suffer through uh, Bo is Afraid, which is a new Ari Aster movie that comes out next year. Oh, I sick. have to suffer through. I don't have to do anything. Oh, because you know, we're gonna do it for the podcast. We've done Hereditary. We've done Midsummer. No, 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 no. <laughs> divorce um that's good work um Uh, this is not elevated horror but if you want something that's like really bizarre and hilarious and just weird but also just like david if david cronenberg was like really funny uh it's a movie called psycho gorman oh i have i own that yeah we have it okay yeah it's on shutter the uh the 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 netflix of horror it's so it's fantastic it's so funny and weird and good over the past like year, year and a half, I really got into. Um, I think they have a podcast, but I watched their YouTube videos. Dead Meat to do like the kill counts. I've so, heard about that. Yeah, you know, they basically just count all the the kills from horror movies. But they also they do a great job. They're kind of like uh, uh, like educational, so they go into like all the background of the movie, like review it. Like they're really really good. And they covered that one, 
and I watched it and I was like, oh, I'm I'm picking this the fuck up. That's so awesome. It's 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 on the list as well. You'll you'll enjoy that Great. one. Um awesome. So that's the first question. So Barbarian okay, is perfect. And then just in general, whether it be like older movies or just TV, what you've been watching? What 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 can you recommend to the people as of late um that that Spencer's been enjoying? I, I'd like to say something like like fun or, or offbeat or something, but the the truth is I've been watching Doctor Who, which, okay. which, which is fun. There's nothing wrong with Doctor Who, but it's like, all right, well, who cares? Uh, so basically, <laughs> I, was, I was I was watching House of the Dragon, uh, which had Matt Smith feature feature prominently, mm-hmm. and I was like, God, man, this guy is killing it. And I I'd, I'd never seen anything else with him in it, so I was like, let me let me start watching this Doctor Who thing that everyone's been talking about for the last fifty years. His era of shows. No, I have a sickness where I ha- I'm a completionist. So I was like, well, I'm not gonna. I cannot start with you OG. Hot meat kettle. Yeah, yeah, true. yeah, yeah. Right. So I was like, I'm gonna start with the the first episode of the reboot, which is uh, Christopher Eccleston. So mm-hmm. got through his, got through the guy after that, David Tennant, and then that's Matt Smith. And I just kept watching it. So I'm I'm still I'm like uh, I don't know halfway through the the guy after that, Peter Capaldi. Okay. Yeah, when I when I hear completionist and Doctor Who, I immediately have like a shiver run up my spine. I'm like, oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah, there's some like you can't even get, right? Like, there's some that are just like lost forever. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's something that's interested me for a long time is the the um like cinema or television that's been lost to time, even mm-hmm. something as recent as Doctor Who, you know, in the scheme of in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. There there are yeah, I don't remember the exact number, but something like 70 70 episodes maybe or 90 episodes that there is just no video of whatsoever because it's been um probably taped over uh, yeah. honestly um yeah, yeah. and a, a lot of the old doctor who's that are around uh you know the video at least that were found in like i forget which country is some some country in africa like nigeria or something mm-hmm. that like was airing them at the same time so like the bbc had to ship over their you know separate reels to them so they just kept theirs they didn't you know throw those in a fire and right. so all the like yeah so like all the restored old ones a lot of them are from the same like you know whatever nigerian studio that's I, so cool i went down like a rabbit hole i think it was when i was in the middle of writing sleeping dog questions mm. uh that uh I, I got, nice plug yeah this yeah. is you talking about let sleeping dogs lie the world's only game show the only game show that you can watch uh live at the io theater in chicago right um, or you can listen to old episodes online wherever you get podcasts exactly like arcadeaudio.com uh, i'm a writer for that show and mm-hmm. uh as i was uh doing my research i went like wikipedia link jumping and got on um like to like theme park stuff and like universal rides and it went into like the universal fire that happened like back in Oh, it was had been this but 10, 15 years ago. That's the reason why they closed like the last confrontation was like the <laughs> universal backlot fire like wiped out enough of that ride where they couldn't repair it, but also wiped out like master recordings of like oh. songs and like master really? copies of like yeah. Like Jesus like, the, like, Christ. The original print of like this is a bad example. The only one I can remember is like knocked up. Like like they have everything. Dead. No way. We lost knocked up the master. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh shit. Fuck. But, but there was like actual- what are we gonna put in the like, in the time capsule that we send to Mars now? <laughs> <laughs> Who, who's gonna know that Seth Rogen didn't understand to not put the condom on? <laughs> um, yeah, it was fucking like wild, like how yeah. much, like what conjecture there was about like what they did and did not have. And I was like, 
it's, it's great that we don't have really have that problem with newer stuff anymore because this is going to be up in like the ether somewhere but that's right. almost equally as terrifying as like yeah it's up in that ether and i feel like you can just unplug that and it's just gone yeah, yeah what, 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 what movie was a toy story 2 that that almost mm -hmm. happened to yep and one guy like had it was a, on a, no, it was a woman at home it was a woman because she she had like just had a kid or something yeah and the yep. only thing her kid wanted to watch was the yeah the yeah, like they sent her like the preview of it or something. Yeah, like the rough so, draft of Toy Story 2. She yeah. just happened to have. Like, oh my God, we lost all of Toy Story 2. She's like, I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, it goes to the <laughs> minivan. Baller. Insane. Yeah. Like, that's so, so crazy. Yeah. But yeah, like when things used to be on literal celluloid, it was super flammable. Mm -hmm. And so between that and taping over things and people not thinking that there would be any demand for things right, in the future, right. there are, you know, movie stars essentially like the tom cruises or whatever of the 20s that should be household names that none of us have ever heard of because all of their library has been destroyed you know in one way or another and i, I just think that's so fascinating and tragic the other, the other thing I absolutely remind, the other thing which, which i i have those feelings about the movie that we watched oh yeah oh absolutely i uh there's two like my two favorite shows in like the end of elementary school middle school to show you what kind of weird kid i was were keenan and kel and celebrity deathmatch yeah and sure i, I think that it's uh, pretty standard though. Yeah. I think that's pretty standard. And I recorded every episode on VHS thinking that those were evergreen. And then of course, like I just started throwing them away. No. It didn't happen. So like thankfully, like Keenan and Kel, I've been talking about it. I like I binge watched like the whole thing, except like three or four episodes are just like are aren't not. available. Yeah. I don't know, like it's gotta be licensing or some issue. Celebrity Deathmatch just like doesn't exist anymore. There's like a few fights on YouTube. Well, it's the same thing. It's the same thing with like Augie's episode of Room Raiders that we've been trying to find for years. It's like <laughs> I'm just convinced that's just a bit. <laughs> no, it's not. I think it's a legitimate thing. We just there's no record of it anywhere. The diff that right, so that's one episode. That, well, who that's knows? So Good, I was good. just saying it's so sad that you threw those VHSs away because you could have been the guy like that yeah. uploaded the four missing yeah. Keenan and Gels. Dude, trust me, I it's it's crossed my mind. Yeah. <laughs> like I still you, have some you hoard everything else. Right, the one time. We'll see. That's let that be a lesson to you. Never throw anything away ever again. Well, no, there that's not go. what I said. I didn't nope. say that. <laughs> Don't put words in my mouth. This is why. Get rid of all your shit. That's why I'm a physical media owner. But yeah, I, have the, I have the same thing with Jeopardy. You you can't uh, you, recently I was like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna go find those uh, uh those old um Ken Jennings episodes when he had a streak of, you know, 100 plus mm -hmm. episodes. Those are nowhere. They're not online because yeah. it happened in like 2005 or something like that. It's so like crazy to think about that. It's super crazy. But so it was like right. his run was even before YouTube, let alone anything else. So unless somebody was taping them and then chose to keep those tapes and then chose to convert them to an online format, they they don't exist. I mean, obviously, the, the, the studio still has them, but they're not incentivized to put anything up like that. And also the stuff's older you get in the tricky of like royalties and music licenses. Well, like there's like so many how levels it to... looks too when you convert oh, trust it. Me. it probably looks like shit yeah i'm yeah. currently watching a vhs rip on youtube of this um again for a sleeping house question this uh show that i love called 25 lame it was john stewart like four months after he started the daily show chris Catan, he's currently on snl when it's aired Dennis Leary, who's uh, like was a successful actor still at the time, and Janine Garofalo, same thing. And wow. he's been riffing on the twenty-five worst music videos ever for for two hours. It's fucking hysterical. Yeah, that sounds great. It's it's amazing, and it's it's infamous for uh, a moment where Vanilla Ice like trashes the studio. Um, so I've been watching that, and like 
half the time I can't hear what's happening. <laughs> like there's, you can see the tracking lines from the tape. Uh, some of them are yeah. some of them. I the love that. Aren't, aren't like able to be kept up ever. So there's parts that I haven't seen, and oh, I, yeah. I can't stop watching. It's amazing. Yeah, we um, talked we talked about that a little bit when we did the first Brave Little Toaster, and we had to watch it off of yeah because it wasn't on YouTube, Disney Plus because it wasn't on Disney Plus mm-hmm. for whatever reason, uh, and it was the quality was just. Oh, it was terrible. A disaster. It was one of the best parts of the movie. Um, talk about music, music rights, I will add, normally up front here, we discuss any movies uh, that are out in theaters or we haven't known for the podcast yet. So I will point out it's Oscar season. Uh, next week, I'll be able to talk about Oscar noms uh, up front. So it'll be released. But I did check another uh, box this, uh, this past week. I watched Elvis because I knew I needed to with my oh. rules. And I wish I hadn't. Austin, Austin, Austin Butler, who's also in the movie we watched. Correct, correct. And I and he's fantastic, don't get me wrong. He's great. I think he did a wonderful job. I think I figured out that musical biopics are like my least favorite kind of movie. It, they just, there's not a fucking thing true or real about them. <laughs> and I mean, the music. And then you add in. The music is real. And then you add into it. Baz Luhrmann, who I'm not a fan of, and his over-stylistic approach. And you add in, without hyperbole, the worst Tom Hanks performance that you will ever see in your entire fucking life. You're not the first person to to, to have heard that from. That's tragic. It's seriously halfway through, I'm like, is he doing a mad TV character? (laughs) What is this? And he's I, I had heard from someone that this was the movie he was filming when COVID happened. So I think there's like something there. <laughs> like, like when he had COVID, cause like, wasn't he like one of the first people to like yeah, COVID yeah. him and Rita Wilson. So yeah. did he have COVID when he made Is this? one of the side did, effects losing your taste in projects? Did or he get yeah. COVID because of this movie? I don't know. When was but, the film? And we should have. Yeah, that, that happened to me. I, I, when I had COVID, I lost my taste and I, I thought Kung Fu movies were actually documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> what did I watch when I had COVID? Uh, I, I don't know. Just, you were in the room by yourself. It was yourself. just Crazy Rich Asians. That was good. <laughs> that was all right. But yeah, that's the only thing I've watched as of late. Um, awesome. I think we've killed enough time. It's time to tackle the movie that Spencer uh, chose for us. Or the, well, so for, in the process. Talk about the process. The yeah, process is we, um, Spencer, unfortunately, is the last one that had the the not full process that we had. Because before, the Spencer can attest to, we would just say, hey, give us five movies and we'll, we'll pick one. And a couple of people would ask, like, what can I pick? I'm like, yeah, just give us, I own like 2,000 movies. Just give us right, right, a right, list. Right, right. So we didn't have a list, which now we do have a digitized list to send to people. So you were our last unfortunate guinea pig. And of your list, I believe three of the five you gave us, we had already watched for the podcast. Yeah, way to go. I think yeah. Jaws, just kidding. <laughs> Back to the Future, and I don't remember the third one. Was. I mean, but great choices. Oh, they were fantastic uh, choices. Gr- gr- well, maybe not Jaws. Go back and listen to that. Sure, an insane person. Um, and the <laughs> other one we said, Jaws is one of my favorite movies. That's so good. Yeah, it's one of the greatest well, movies ever made. Yeah. Uh, tr- like, literally, Back yes. Back to the Future is... That is as well. Yes. Yeah. They're, well, they're all right answers. That's fine. Yeah, um, I didn't say anything The one that we that. didn't pick... Because uh, I know you have a negative uh, mindset behind it because of your mom was a racer head, which I have never seen. <laughs> how do you <laughs> I'll explain that? How you have a negative? How does anyone's know, mom? I I a, a your negative... mom hates that movie. And, and when it's come up, because I 
it's a Criterion Collection movie, so I've yeah. bought many Criterions. Yeah. And when I've talked to her mom about it, she's like, "Give me an example." I'm like, "A racer," and she always goes, "Oh, hate that movie." I've literally heard her say that like four or five times. <laughs> Why are you talking to my mom about a racer head? Because so much? I'm trying to replace you on the podcast <laughs> with your mom. Oh man, <laughs> I just oh, man. don't, man. I I'll voluntarily leave. I'd love to listen to that. I would listen to that podcast every week. <laughs> Uh, that, that's the first mom I've ever heard of that's that's even seen the movie. I need to meet more moms, maybe, but... Her, her, mom, her mom's got pretty wacky taste in movies. My mom's the reason we own Eating Raul. Yeah. She... What, I don't even know what that's about. Happy for a picture show, the live, the, like, the live show. Like, hundreds of times. Okay. Yeah, like, a hundred times. But she also fell asleep in Gone Girl. Like, yeah, Like, yeah. in the theater for, like, an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> But she loved the menu. Yeah, so, you know. I mean, she, she, yeah. So what we ultimately went with was what I was figuring, I, I figured there was going to be I, some I, time. I, that... I knew we were going to get this movie when we when we um, had scheduled Spencer on yeah. the show. So, sorry. I, I just knew we were going to have some kind of, some, some QT. So we're doing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood from 2019. I'll read the box. Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood visits 1969 Los Angeles, where everything is changing as TV star Rick Dalton, Leonardo DiCaprio, and his longtime stunt double Cliff Booth, Brad Pitt, I count that, make their way around an industry they hardly recognize anymore. The ninth film from the writer-director features a large ensemble cast and multiple storylines in a tribute to the final moments of Hollywood's golden age. That's one. Fine. I'm on the board. Cliff Booth. Cliff Booth. I'm like that guy in the milk commercial with Aaron Burr. What? You can't guy, just matter like up sentences. Trivia. It's like a trivia, right? The trivia thing, and it, like it's who shot. Yeah, you, you remember like the, the got milk commercial from the nineties. And he has 90s. like the peanut butter in his yeah. mouth or something. That's how I said Cliff Booth. Like I had a... <laughs> We have a reading challenge. Whoever messes up reading the box more loses, and the other person gets to pick movies for us to watch. We're competitive sure. assholes. Long of course, time. yeah. Uh, and I'm currently trouncing her in this new competition, four to one. Correct. That's my it's first. It's early. Yes, we've only read four boxes each. It's not. It's way no, early. Just making sure. So, Spencer, <laughs> why did you pick, or why did you nominate Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Um, well, you, I can't. I don't. I can't speak. Sam, I'd be curious to hear about you, but I know Mo and I are huge Tarantino fans. Both of our favorite movies are is Pulp Fiction. Right, exactly. And this um, was the most recent output. It, it, are you trying to replace me with Spencer on the show? I'm trying to replace you. I mean, if if it was My the mom, worst person, Spencer. If fucking Ted Cruz walks in this door, he's a candidate. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so when, when i saw it in theaters uh i thought and i was like oh shit is this my new favorite tarantino movie is my, i had that thought and i saw it two or three times in theaters and then i rewatched it recently for for the show here mm-hmm. and i with this most re- most recent rewatch i decided it's not it's pulp fiction 100 yeah. percent. but this for me is a super close second as far as his movies go it's it has everything that I like in one movie, which, uh, yeah. So, so you thought that after your first viewing in theaters, I'm just double yeah. check that, correct? So that's interesting. That was going to be my first question was kind of asking what the first thoughts were on it. Because when I first saw it in theaters, I, I knew that I, I liked it and even loved it, but I very much had initially some thought about, there's just a lot of, stuff that I didn't get initially about like the greater picture of the movies, particularly 
there's just a lot of time wasted to me at least the first time i saw it doing not much of anything oh <laughs> uh, see that's, that's probably the point and, oh no 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 that's very much so <laughs> like when i first watched it, i was like okay that was good but like that's not gonna you know that's not gonna climb the tarantino ranks for me and then i rewatched it with me, and, right? I think you no, saw it I, by yourself the first time. No, we went together, and then I didn't. I only saw it in theaters once. Um, I when we still had Augie's um, the Plex Plex Augen? thing. Oh yes, yes, yes. I rewatched it at home, and I then I started to fucking get it, and then yeah. I got yeah. it. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm so, glad you you mentioned that specifically. It's some, it's something I wanted to bring up was the quote unquote slow times during the movie. Yeah. Um, so we mentioned, I have to mention for people that aren't seeing you, you're wearing, you're wearing a Pulp Fiction t-shirt right now. And it's not like, yeah. Does it say anything? Does it just say money? Very good. Um, my favorite part, and this is always for you know the 50 times I've seen the movie or whatever, Pulp Fiction. My favorite part is when there's just one long tracking shot of Bruce Willis's character just going through like the backyards of people's houses mm-hmm. so he can sneak up on his own apartment yep. and there's no music. There's no nothing. It's just like, you can hear the sounds of the neighborhood and cars driving by. And it's for some reason, like I just love that in the movie. Absolutely. And, and nothing's really happening, but there's like, you know, obviously there's tension, um, but it just feels like you're actually in the neighborhood with Bruce Willis. It feels very like, I don't know, like you're, you're present there with him and that a lot of the moments I like in this movie are, are that where it's just random moments in the car listen to a, some ra- radio spot. So, so I wholeheartedly agree. And what I was referring to was not necessarily the, the tension moments. Cause those moments that you see, like Cliff at Spawn Ranch, like, oh. you know, background, you know, story and Tarantino's even said, he's like, this is like the greatest, like horror scene I've ever written. Like, cause you know, at any moment you could lose this character because he doesn't exist. Right. And you know what these people can do. So like mm-hmm. you're already elevated and you see it in like painstaking, excruciating second by second. Yeah. Same yeah. thing with some of the scene building stuff. Like mm-hmm. when we see where Cliff lives and mind you, when I die, I want to live in a trailer and eat mac and cheese out of a pot and listen to MacArthur Park. <laughs> um, that, that's just the me. Worst, the worst part of my life. <laughs> I cackled in the theater when that happened because this is a side joke between Sam and Worst part but of the movie. You just like watch this dude live his life for five minutes and you see shots of... And it's of, the juxtaposition of like, that's how he lives, but... <laughs> so, so those were the things I was have, referring to. Yeah. Those, the things I was referring to was the stuff that Spencer just picked up on at the end there, which is just like, there's just a lot of just people riding in their cars... Yeah. It's know, just people being listen people. To music with people real doing, commercials. People doing their thing. And I didn't I didn't get it at first. And then I got in that like he's trying to tell you how fucking carefree and easy and awesome yeah. this life and world was back then. Exactly. And right. and that the and that the Manson family, unfortunately, fucked that all up. Yeah. Uh, the the Manson family ended the summer of love. They ended the sixties. Yeah. Like like literally like it happened in sixty nine. It was like like the end of the decade, the end of everything was right, the the right. the Tate LaBianca murders. Yeah. yeah, and and by him sh- doing this and showing what could have happened, but also I like it's weird to have like an uh, an optimistic Tarantino. Like that's kind of what this movie is. Like this movie and this story well, has kind of like reinvigorated him in in a in a positive way. Because there's always, to me at least, with Tarantino, you know, there's a a, a natural grit and grime a pulpy you know yeah. sense to it whereas through this he's becoming like a writer he wrote an ex- uh, a novel extension of this which i want to get into later and, and his- 
but, a, a second novel he's he's in the middle of oh, i don't know if it's a novel but it's another book certainly yeah so he wrote the 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 cinematic like uh non-fiction book and he's writing the films of rick dalton which is like this fictional you know like huge biography piece of rick dalton that already has like some wild ass fucking details that i want to get into later and it's not cool. even out yet so like that's it's kind of like reinvigorating like see if we were just in this world if we were just in this mindset yeah. like imagine like it's what like we a, it's, could a, do. it's a what if it's like a yeah. what if this mm-hmm. didn't happen what if it went this way and it's it's tragically optimistic it, oh, it, that's it's hard. absolutely like it's it's tragic and it's really well done and told and i think i agree like it it does have like that optimistic but uncertain like feel to it tragic. yeah tragic is the right word because like when you just watch you gotta, Tate, you're supposed to fucking turn that shit off we're fucking recording you waste all our film. when we <laughs> like watching her own movie you're just like uh or when you hear the thing that hits me even more so this last time was at the very very end after everything when like you hear her voice after what's happened at the end it's just like yep i I had it in my notes it's like it's it's that joy and that like innocent like not not innocence like naive innocence but just like just like pure heartedness that like she's portrayed Mm -hmm. like her just in the theater with like her feet up and like laughing and like the getting the feels when everyone's laughing at like her scenes and stuff like that it's it's like it's just so wholesome yeah and it's like fuck that you don't get that shit anymore people fucking pee on the floor <laughs> in the movie theater now like it's, it's awful oh like, you're in the movie cool that'll be twelve fifty. yeah 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 exactly uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I did want to talk about the ending of the movie is this a good time to talk about it since we're on the the subject yeah. or do you want to do it more linearly oh well, we just kind of jump we around. jump around yeah. okay i the, the ending of the movie yeah like tragic is right on the money it's so it's so melancholy because you're ah, for so many reasons well for two at least i can think of um but one that you hit on is like these people don't in this movie they don't get murdered no one no one that doesn't deserve it gets murdered right right and so you get to watch the movie like wow like the good guys won but then you leave the theater and go oh wait a minute what the fuck that the good guys didn't win the bad guys won and and we're maybe worse off for it as as a, a world maybe you know yeah um but then there's also this other thing of there uh, at, right immediately after it happens and uh DiCaprio's character sees Cliff off in the in the ambulance what's his name uh the hairdresser Jay Sebring calls mm-hmm. to him from from behind the the gated fence of uh you know Sharon's house and having this conversation and then eventually Sharon t- chimes in like oh hey like who is that like bring him up and then like the gates open for Leonardo DiCaprio so it's like mm-hmm. ah, it's it's like man this it's whole more- movie happened where like you weren't sure if you're going to be able to keep doing the thing you wanted to do and this might have been it for you and then the literal gates to the next chapter of his life open up like mm-hmm. so man yeah it's he does I mean Tarantino is my favorite filmmaker he's my favorite director to, to get back to what you were saying earlier I think I've settled that this is number three on my list. Um, I've ba- I still have Bastards at two. Everyone says that, yeah. I yeah. love and Bastards. There's nothing like it. It's, it's just it's Christoph Waltz. <laughs> it's, it's it's the greatest villain. Maybe it's in amazing. I think um, I agree. I think that's my order too. But yeah, this is a solid three for me, just because it's so different 
but yeah. still so very familiar like it's so submersive just right away mm -hmm. like there, there's no need to go into like that much detail with bounty law he's written like a whole bounty law series like, he's, he's gonna I know. Make some of there's it. no reason like, but it's like, tarantino it just, uh, it's tarantino and it just like it, you just feel it like you're in it and it just is so cool just like you're there and you're just like watching half an episode of the of the show like yeah, yeah. and it, it 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 just gives you that perspective and it's like i just dig it so much i think it's going back to that golden era and it's like just trying to bring that to life and bring that to the surface and it's not seen often enough and it's just cool like, yeah it's cool exactly it's, cool. it's just it's just cool it's just like there, there's never a rush there's no care like it's just this is how it was and weren't we just better for it like right. that's yeah. kind of like the, the mo but behind it and um, it's not like it, it's not it's you know it's sort of it's not like everyone is steve mcqueen where it's like man this everyone's so cool well, and actually well speaking of steve mcqueen he's in the movie and, and he even he has a moment of like boy that's that's a hot chick but well, guess I'll never be with her because I'm just not her type. Like, yeah, 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 right. So, like, Cliff or not Cliff? Uh, what the fuck is Leonardo DiCaprio's character? Uh, Rick. Rick. Um, he likes. He stutters in real life. You know, he he like has so he has crippling self doubt. He's a fucking alcoholic. Yeah. You know, but but it's not like, you know, but he recognizes that in himself and he tries to fix it. And he, you know, and he succeeds. You know, largely. Um, so I think I think it's really interesting. Like, you know. And then even like the, the cool guy, the Brad, Brad Pitt's character is like, oh, wait, is he cool? Or is he actually like kind of not a cool guy? Like, yeah. that's something I didn't really pick up. Not, I didn't really think about it until this most recent go around. No, that's oh, a great point. Like it's Rick Dalton is a full blown prick. <laughs> like, he's a big old prick. Like, I, I noticed like I don't think until like the very, very last scene, like the very last moment when he tells um cliff like you're a good friend when he heads out and stuff um like there's little moments throughout the movie and i don't know if it's purposeful or not where like like rick has interactions with people where like he's asking him for like directions or things or help whatever like he never says thank you he's always like in a rush or like trying to hurry like the only he's... one he shows like genuine gratitude to other than cliff at the end is the little girl it's trudy, it's trudy. Yeah. yep and I think it's really, I think it was purposeful. Sure. And I think it really just, it shows kind of like that turning point. And like like what Spencer mm. said, like he's trying to like do better. Well, that, and, that, and that's a good point to mention Trudia. That, that's probably the moment when it turns for him. So it, it's yeah. appropriate that he would be grateful yeah. at that moment. Right, right, exactly. Like so it's, it's like he sees like through this little girl's eyes and then like mm -hmm. that scene was bananas, that, that monologue um well i guess it's not a monologue because like he's acting but he's just like going off the rails and throws her on the floor oh, like the last scene in, that you in see the last scene yeah. yeah yeah and then and then she just like that's the best acting i ever saw and then the emotion yeah. like like a damn breaks and it's just like he's... why did he not like win anything for that Oh, because people realize that uh, Joaquin Phoenix should have already had it an Oscar and they're like ooh it's a superhero movie <laughs> yeah um oh he won it for Joker and oh my god yeah, yeah exactly yeah. yeah I know it, it it pisses me off yeah I've never seen somebody be so like dramatic and heartfelt and at the exact same moment be fucking hilarious and he does yeah. it like four or five times yeah in this movie. yeah yeah 
it's going to be a real conversation. We get the MVP and LVP. Uh, so the thing I was going to point out at this point, I feel like I'm almost compelled. She got into the Trudy stuff and that scene in particular to get into the book a little bit, um, which is not what we're here to do. But I wanted to check with Spencer. You've not read the book, correct? No, no, no. I, I didn't even know about it until I read the Wikipedia page a few days ago. Okay. Oh. So the book is fantastic. Um, and the book is basically a totally different experience. You haven't read it. Either. Oh, cool. I haven't. No, I have it. I, I, that's my next one. So, I think so just to give you context, and I, I won't spoil hardly anything. It's like the Manson murder at the end happens like a third of the way through the story. And it's just a total throwaway. And they're talking about what's happened with Rick since. Like, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So there, there's more background into the Manson family. There's a lot more background into like Lancer itself. Hey, cool. Cat. Um, there's, and particularly there's only like, I want to say like maybe two or three scenes in the book that are like in the movie, like even close to it. In the movie. And then there's one that was supposed to be in the movie that end that like is in the book near the end. And it's an additional scene with Rick and Trudy on the phone. Okay. Him and uh, Leo said it was their favorite scene in the movie, but they cut it because they just felt like that moment when they were shooting, it was just a better encapsulation but the scene is really fucking good in the book okay so I, yeah i, I know can't... i i had read that like he he's been talking about like, releasing like a director's cut or extended cut or whatever you, you want to call it mm-hmm. which maybe i mean i, I don't want to tell tales out of school but maybe will come out this year and it's gonna it has like it's like an extra like 30 minutes or something like that it's like oh my god like and then he, like we talked about, it, he's got this film of Rick Dalton's book where he's just going fucking ham on building his universe. Like, there's always been this like Tarantino universe, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cigarettes, you know, mm-hmm. the Vega Brothers, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Big Kahuna Burger, Eli Ross character in uh, Inglorious Bastards is like the grandfather of Lee Donowitz and True Romance. Like, there's stuff that the trick. Yeah, the, the pilot that uh, that Mia Wallace shoots is probably just Kill Bill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, he's going even full board on this Rick Dalton book. So just a couple little nuggets that are already out. Um, Rick Dalton is in Coming Home in a Body Bag, the movie in True Romance. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, and also, um, he does a movie with Somerset O'Neill, who is the actress in Fox Force 5. <laughs> so, so, yes, that's great. I love that. It's like, they're just doing, like, all kinds of, like, intermingling shit. I love it. He also, uh... Tarantino also had the balls to make himself a character in this world too. So at one point, Rick of Dalton course he did. Apparently, of course he, know, did. he did. Wait a second. Of course he did. Yeah. What's the character he wrote himself as? No, he's Quentin Tarantino. Oh, but no, I like, mean, like, like Rick Dalton like meets Quentin Tarantino oh, like, at, like some uh, film festival. That's right. <laughs> yeah, he, he just he, he's a madman. Um, <laughs> so Spencer had already mentioned. Uh, oh, that that was in Pulp Fiction. So, what is your favorite scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? If you had to, if you had to narrow it down to one, um, I'm gonna have to think about that. But I know in theaters, the one that was the most—I don't know if cathartic is the right word—but like, so I, I went into the movie like I, I am, a, a, you know, fascinated by macabre in in all kinds of different ways. So I was very familiar with the, with the Manson family and, and the murders and everything. Um, uh, side note, me, me and Tex Watson shared a birthday. Oh, great. <laughs> so that's cool. Um, Is he alive or did he die? Could you be re- I, the reincarnation of Tex Watson? That's a great question. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if, well, I don't know. Shit. If he went, if he went to jail, which I'm sure he did, it would have been in California, which I don't think had the death penalty probably. 
Oh, true. No, well, they then, did. They did. But they then did. the death penalty was evacuated. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, so so yeah, there's like that one period of time. Yeah. yeah, they were all supposed to die, but if they were convicted before like seventy-two or something, yeah, they, it was this. vacated. Spencer, how real are you? Uh, not very. Okay, so not as a donut. All right, never mind. Not <laughs> as a donut. That might be no, my favorite line in a I, movie. Uh, by the way, I, I am the devil, and I'm here to do the devil's business. <laughs> well, I'm as real as a donut, motherfucker. <laughs> um, weird, is that a thing he actually said? I don't think so, and okay. so I've have seen people like debate because uh, Cliff is high on acid. Right, is he imagining saying that. Right, <laughs> right, right. I, like, I will say the the devil thing is that's like, actual, he did actual, say that, which is fucking cold blooded metal as fuck. If uh, you know, it'd be super cool if it wasn't for what he did. Exactly. So, um. So for so the, I'm getting off on a tangent. The reason I I mentioned that is because. Going into the movie, when Tex and Sadie and uh, Patty, you know, bust into Rick and Cliff's place, I'm just saying there was like a like a like a pit in my stomach. Like, fuck, man, this sucks. Like, this fucking sucks. And then that's not what happens. They, in fact, they they murder the the murderers, and it's just like I was so like I was like giddy in the theater oh, yeah. the first time I saw it. I was like losing my mind. I was just it was just so it was so so great to see. I this, just didn't expect it. This, I don't think this is hyperbole for me. I think that's my favorite scene in any Tarantino movie. Honestly, just like the Cliff Booth tripping balls, killing the Manson family. It, <laughs> it's the most wild. And I thought that like... I mean, that's saying the gimp is all I'll say. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, right. But... I think you no, have different it's colors. totally crazy. It's it's insane. Like when, when for who which Sadie, I don't remember. The one that dies last maybe is Sadie. She's just running around like her her face has been like ripped off by the dog. She can't mm-hmm. see anything. She's just wildly firing like a fucking Colt 45, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Runs out screaming into the pool, like freaks out DiCaprio. He <laughs> the first thing he does right. is go get a fucking flamethrower and toast it. Lights are on fire. It's wild. That, Look, it's so wild. To, like he throws a can of dog food. A closed can of dog food. Yeah. Like, uh, not yeah. like underhand, not like softball no, like shit. Like fingers. Like yeah. <laughs> beams it at her face. Yeah, yeah. And then the dog is just, that's why pit bulls have a bad name. <laughs> but that dog was very sweet. I'm oh, sure it's the kindest sweet. dog. Brandy is the best dog actor in, ever, in my opinion. I, I think love I, think I love the greatest Brandy. dog performance in a movie. I love Brandy. I think. <laughs> yeah, she's I think a great girl. Great. Like, yeah, another, another you get the full brainy backstory in the book too as to why she's with Cliff as well. It's I, I can't <laughs> but between obviously the the cathartic deaths and then just him pointing the hand back, no, uh, it's something dumber than that. You run a horsey <laughs> like in the theater. I, what I was getting at was I think you are correct and it's wild in that you know older movies we didn't see in theaters and have other people's reactions. Like when we saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like there was like a roar when he comes out of that fucking show with that flamethrower. Like, oh my God, that's an ama- It's just like a it's, fucking amazing callback. It's iconic, yes. The 14 fists of McCluskey. <laughs> 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 the names of the movies and every time Tarantino or, or Rodriguez for that matter, like invent movie names, they're the best names. They really are. They what's, really, truly are. What's the one he does with Telly Savalas? <laughs> loud 
I, I, that's what I wanted to mention. Was, was uh, fuck? What was it? it? Kill me quickly, Gringo said the Gringo. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, kill me quickly," said the Gringo. Yeah, I think it's "kill me no. quickly," Ringo said the Gringo. Yeah, yeah. he said that twice. Yeah, and then what's the other one? It's like red, red, red blood, red man, or something like that. Oh, or Nebraska Jim. <laughs> I think that's what yeah. it is. It's it's insane. Another scene built a world building thing that one of those movies is uh, directed by Antonio Margariti, who is the director that uh, what's his name makes up in Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Margariti. Margariti. Um. Samantha, do you have a different like, favorite scene? Um, I, I, I do love that scene. I think like the, it just is action packed and great. Um, but I really just thoroughly enjoyed any scene that Margot Robbie was in, like oh, as yeah. Sharon Tate. I, I thought, yeah. and I think like this is the point I made earlier, like that, the innocence of just like that stretch of like her going to see herself, like mm-hmm. that whole thing. And like, she's kind of shy and embarrassed, but she's super proud. Like she was in the movie. I think that it's just really beautifully done. And it's in the middle of all of this mm-hmm. grossness kind of yeah. thing. And I think it's just the meaning behind it and like the sandwiching of it is just, I really. And it makes you wonder like what, what would have happened like this? It's, you know, I'm not an expert, but I believe this is fairly early on in her career. Mm -hmm. What which she either already had or was about to have an Academy Award nomination around this time. Or like she had been earmarked because uh, Valley of the Dolls was such like a a breakout like thing that she was getting. And of, of course being with Roman Polanski, with right. time wasn't an utter piece of shit right um you know was he was legitimately like the biggest director in the world he was yeah and that, that like this this always makes me think like what if sharon tate hadn't been murdered like what would have happened with roman polanski like what you know it just so many weird dominoes that you just don't know which ones fell and which ones didn't because of, yeah you know. yeah but if, I, I think my favorite scene is the one with um trudy and and rick just yeah. from them meeting oh yeah and like the the can I just sit here and read with you? Read, and then like read my Western, read my Western and like that whole interaction. Yeah, and gotcha. then all the way through to like, just that ending culminating scene of them together. Um, I think it's just really She's so great. A coffee table book about Walt Disney. <laughs> <laughs> that is not like, a, that is a, I think we have something. She's Jillian. Basically. Yeah. Well, so everyone, so she is essentially supposed to be Jodie Foster. Like everyone. Right got you know based around people uh rick dalton is largely supposed to be like a burt reynolds type and that's why originally burt reynolds was supposed to be the um uh the, the george, director george spawn yeah who ended up oh being, it's supposed to be george spawn oh, okay it's supposed to be george spawn which i can totally see him do that role um but he, he died i think after like the table read or something uh my second favorite scene in the wow, movie the, guess the table read went really poorly yeah, yeah, he just—it wasn't very good. You know, yeah, it's like, oh, let's just get rid of Bert. Um, uh, speaking of, so real quick, uh, actors and stuff. Uh, who, what's the name of the guy that played George Spawn? Um, uh, Bruce Stern. Bruce Stern was in oh, what the fuck? What whatever that TV show was? It wasn't Gunsmoke that they were filming. Lancer. Lisa? No, he was in Lancer. He Scoop McNary. Oh is yeah, play, is playing the character that Bruce Dern played. So it's, it's just like. So many levels. In the, the movie, like, just so many levels also, like, you just said Scoop McNary, who, 
you know, if you know movies, like you know who that is. And like, but it's like you're sitting in the theater, like you recognize him from like a bunch of different things. He's in this movie for like five seconds. Yep. <laughs> like the, this is the most bonkers cast. I didn't realize who some of the people were until I looked at the Wikipedia page. And then as I was watching it afterwards, I was like, oh shit, that is that. That is that person. Oh shit, that mm-hmm. is that person. And there's some that were like weren't even at the time. So you figure like Margaret Qualley is now becoming like an A-list actress who plays uh, uh, Pussycat. Sydney mm-hmm. Sweeney is like the most like famous TV actress in the world, arguably, from Euphoria and the White Lotus. And she's just a throwaway member of the Manson family who's just like talking Amazing. at the door mm-hmm. for four scenes. Like he just has this knack. Yeah. For, like, Taking, uh, like, seeing something in people, giving them a nugget of something, and, and then, then they just go like on the dude. Yeah. So there are two two people in the cast who went on to be in uh, what I think is the greatest comedy that's been produced. I don't know since Monty Python. Uh, I think you should leave. Trudy mm-hmm. Trudy is in. I think you should leave, and mm-hmm. so is the um, the box office girl. That yeah. uh, so it's. Uh, T- Tammy Craps, the Tammy Craps doll, <laughs> and uh, and the girl who owns Jim Davis's house. Those are the characters. Fuck, I'm gonna go watch a Jim Davis sketch like immediately. <laughs> uh, yeah, Julia Butters. I think she also was in the Fablemans. Like, t- yeah. I called Tarantino and was like, uh, "That girl, I want her in my thing." Sure, <laughs> like, sure. Immediately, as soon as he saw it. Um, my second favorite scene in the movie is the scene where they watch FBI together. Yep. that's a great scene. I- I know every like the the point is like the memeable moment that we'll right. see for like the rest of our lives, but that is in it's the essence of like what you do with your buddies. Yeah, you sit around and you watch shit. You, you just so happen to be in it, and you just like crap. Just, I die. You just goes, crap on everything. That guy's a fucking prick. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do with like old like videos of like sketches oh, yeah. and improv. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> is this the greatest? So is this the greatest pure friendship in a movie's history slash is Cliff Booth the best friend in a, in a movie ever? Like the best, best friend in a movie. Yes. Yeah, I I, mean, absolutely. Yeah, he's got to be up there. I mean. I, I think he's definitely up there. And I just love how. He drives him around. He goes to Italy for how long? Months. Six months yeah. they were there. Sits in coach. <laughs> mad when he gets the boot, and then no, I, he he's understanding. He's just like he's just a cool dude. He's just doing his job. He's just living life. I'm gonna find I love two it. to five friends and be like, "It's been a good run, man, but this is gonna be it." And I'm just gonna get <laughs> shit faced in a Mexican restaurant. With them. Do it. <laughs> that is like I love that. Like they romanticize that. Like what did two men do? Oh. And you know that they're going separate it- ways, but it's getting knockout, drag out, <laughs> fucking slosh together. That, and look, just talk shit about people. That that's just that's it. Living. That's it. At least there's something that we uh, took from that golden age. Getting just drunk with friends. Shit faced <laughs> with friends. <laughs> <and> talking. <laughs> Shit about each other <laughs> or others. So the movie was like, maybe I'm gonna start smoking again. <laughs> nah, <laughs> no, nah. Um, all right. Anything you don't like about the movie? Any scenes? Try to stay away from performances. We're, we're gonna get into MVP and LVP here in, in a few moments, and I do have a, a mini list. One of- thing, one thing that's been kind of rankling is not knowing how accurate or inaccurate the Bruce Lee portrayal is, because I know that got a lot of flack when it first came out. Yep. And I, I just so happened to have been. Uh, gifted a, a book recently of letters that Bruce Lee wrote to mm. to various people 
Um, he's just a very prolific letter writer for some reason. Yeah. Um, and the way he's portrayed in the movie is does not really jive with how he comes across in his letters. It's definitely been, it was definitely coming out of the movie. The two biggest things people were talking about was that. And then I think kind of the false pretense that people felt that like Margot Robbie was going to have a bigger part in it. And people didn't understand like how the Sharon Tate piece worked okay. behind it. That kind of went away when people got it. And then it very yeah. much became like, and he like tripled down on it too. He's like, watch interviews or hear stories like he was a braggadocious guy so who that's the thing is get into that sort of right altercation particularly like with showmanship yeah particularly with that kind of with with that group of like stunt doubles or whatever right. yeah and then that fire starter of cliff booth you know who's gonna stir so up shit carefree. no matter what well he wasn't even, he wasn't even trying to remember he wasn't even trying to just carefree he was just like mm. I don't agree with you, man. Yeah, he just yeah, he, he, he laughed. Yeah, he yeah he, he's just yeah. Because Bruce Lee said, "I could, I could." Chris Mullet. <laughs> he was sitting there. Bruce Lee said, "I would fuck up Muhammad Ali," and he just kind of snorted to himself. And then when he he said, "Who the fuck was that?" He goes, "Look, man, I don't want to start in trouble. I'm just here for a job." Yeah, and, right, right. yeah. because yeah, I I had read that 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 Bruce Lee. I, I don't know on which shows or which productions or whatever, but like, didn't want to pull his punches when he was fighting. You know the the. The people he was fighting in the martial arts scenes because mm-hmm. he didn't think it would look good and so he would like beat the shit out of these guys so so yeah i don't know man i don't know i don't know what the real the truth i'm sure is somewhere in the middle yeah i i think it is and i that scene has grown on me the first time i saw it i was kind of like eh. and again it kind of falls into like what you have to think when he's having that flashback he's on the roof like in the sun without a shirt on like there's also these theories like He's even embellishing to himself like, I I how it happened. <laughs> totally. To- well, and not, and not, maybe he's not even doing like that's a lot. Uh, like, what's what? What I'm even trying. I'm just, uh, when someone like witnesses a crime, uh, what is that like? They give their testimony or like witness testimony. Like that's one of the most unreliable things there is in, oh, in yeah. like, the court of law because your brain will fill in details and you're not even realizing you're doing it. So like, that's a really interesting. Yeah, right, yeah, that's a really yeah, interesting yeah. point. Like, like when he was fighting Bruce Lee, did he actually like? throw him into a car and dent the whole fucking side of it. Like, I don't know. Now that you mention it, that's really interesting. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe Cliff is a slightly unreliable narrator. Yeah. I think that, I think that's part of it. And particularly it plays into this wonderful job. They do at sculpting this character to be like, just this pure enigma. I will say another book plug. You do get an answer about the wife in the book. I, I wanted to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah, you do get an answer about it, and it's incredibly well done, and you don't expect it. Um, well, yeah, like to, more to, more to that, it's it it's based it's fairly closely based on uh, Natalie Woods, uh, where it's like, oh, she died on a boat accident, but did she, did she die or was she murdered? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Walk in. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah. You take his name out your fucking mouth. <laughs> you take that murderer's name out of your mouth. <laughs> no, he was just—he was just watching. It was definitely uh, what's his guy? The other oh, guy. Oh, he's just an accessory. Okay. Robert. Yeah, he's the accessory to murder. Yeah. Oh, oh. It was oh. definitely the guy from Austin Powers. I don't remember that fucker's name. Robert Evans or whatever his name was. I don't know. That guy. I have know. no idea. Um. So a couple things that that. So what didn't didn't you like? I don't like the random Kurt Russell narration for like three or four moments. Like it, it always just like takes me aback. And he's done this in a couple other movies, like in *Inglorious Bastards*. He has that random moment where like 
Samuel Jackson just like has like two minutes of like dialogue out of nowhere. Um, I, I don't get why it's one of my few issues with the movie because it's just full blown exposition and it takes and he's, you and out he's of a like, character in the movie and it so takes you out of like the real the, like the realism that you're trying to like strange. settle into like there's no voiceovers like right now if it was consistent like you get it within the like, first 10 minutes of the movie when he's talking sure. about the lie for the dui or when he got his license revoked yeah yeah and then i don't think we have it again until he reached out okay coyote yeah, yeah, until Italy and yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. right. It's it's very strange. It makes now that you bring it up, it makes me wonder like if that was done for editing purposes. We're like, fuck, we were gonna do this a little more elegantly, but we just had to cut out, you know, 15 minutes or something. So, fuck it, let's just put the bandaid on and have Kurt do a voiceover. Yeah. So that's one. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. That that's one. Um, I would agree. Yeah, with you're that. right. It is a it is a strange strange choice because it's. I would agree with that. Yeah. I, I think from I think from reading the book and watching the movie now. Um, Tarantino just loves being Tarantino. The, the smartest guy in the room. Oh yeah. Uh, so like yeah. the amount of like uh, Chris Mullet, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of like name dropping and world building it's done. Like I just get fucking lost in it because my one negative thing about the book is like I would honestly reckon between like both sides of the page at any time there's like 10 names or 10 shows or 10 like he's just constantly dropping all this stuff on you that like you don't know 95 percent of it so yeah. you do get a little muddled and stuff doesn't hit as hard like the great escape stuff when he's talking about oh the it was me and the three georges like i, I didn't know one of the georges i, I knew george kennedy because of fucking naked gun but the other two i was like sure whatever yeah, i don't get the gravity behind it yeah He's fine with that, but I'm I still get a little upset about it. Right, it's like, I, like his, his service for him, like self-serving. Yeah, I think you're you're not wrong. I don't think you're wrong. You're not. You're definitely not wrong at all. Um, but I think there's also more to it that he's just like he's so in love with like cinema and 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 pop culture and shit like that from that era that like he he just I think he he kind of assumes that everyone just knows it too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. He's like. Yeah, you guys know. You remember Fruit Brute, right? We're going to have this guy eating Fruit Brute. You remember Fruit Brute? I think that's Brute? a great point, Spencer. I think that's a really great point. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. Wait, now I want a box of Fruit Brute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bring it on. Order um, some online. Got but, it. But, but you're definitely right, though. Like, he is he is very, like, yeah, like, my opinions are, are good opinions. Yeah. <laughs> um, those are the really only two uh, other stuff that, um, before we get into performances, I kind of wanted to, to mention and tackle. Uh, Spencer, Spencer, ugh, Spencer mentioned it in passing earlier with the attention to detail, like when they're in the car with like the radio commercials and even the production design of how they literally went and redid the outside of all these fucking shops. And some places just kept it up afterwards because they're like, this looks so much cooler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. The Mad Men literally just like went into the archives and just listened to hours of just radio programming from the 60s and 70s so there are moments in this movie where like the commercials that go into the songs is what actually played at that time on that day that we are in in the movie oh that's so fucking cool dude i didn't know it was that specific yeah like it's fucking bonkers and they still got me at one point because at one point they're doing a commercial for heaven sent perfume and i'm like Motherfucker, my grandmother wore Heaven Sent perfume. When she died, we threw away like dozens of bottles of that shit. Oh man, that's awesome. And that, like, that's part of what I like about this movie. There's so many things I like about this movie. But but one of them is like I, I love being able to be transported to a specific time like that. Yeah, like absolutely. Where, yeah, like 
I had, the first time I kind of realized it was when I was playing whatever the Assassin's Creed is that's in Egypt. And I just sort of was like, oh, fuck, I'm kind of just like, this is kind of like what it was. Like, yeah. so it was like this weird out of body experience where I was like, whoa, I'm in, you know, fucking whatever, Alexandria or, you know, Macedonia. The Great Library. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. so so like this where it's like, those are the sort of things, those, those radio commercials, the, you know, billboards for, you know, whatever shit. Yeah, that makes you feel like you really are in this 1969 period. It's yeah, it's that it's that submersive. Yeah, the thing that you talked about at the top of the show, it it just gets you, and it's like part of the reason why like Universal Studios has Halloween Horror Nights, and they do it so well. Yeah, they, we they, we've talked about before, like just, they just smother you. In they it. smother you in it, and the the attention to detail and the rec uh, the recreations of like the scenes or like the iconic moments it's just like oh shit like i'm there mm -hmm. yeah and it's so important because it's not just a visual thing a lot of people are just like visual and you forget that like those cues of like those commercials and stuff like that like that also adds to that experience it's just layer upon layer so it's not just visual it's not just like in the dialogue but like you're hearing those same things well too. then of course I, I think he's the best at putting together like a soundtrack like Oh, all, all time. The, oh. The, the music in this movie yeah. is. If Tope worked for him and night. had to clear the rights to these songs, <laughs> Tope gets so would... mad when I write something and I put a song in it, and he's like, "You, you, you can't do that. You can't do that. It's going to cost this amount of money." I'm like, "Well, the Quentin Tarantino was poor." Is my <laughs> argument to that? <laughs> Although I don't know how much like Paul Revere's like. I'm, I'm sure it's some you know conglomerate that owns all the the masters of everything and like emi or something yeah of course but uh it, it's it's just so fucking good uh you mentioning the facades of uh the the stuff made me remember something i wanted to talk about the movie even though the movie takes place over a, a handful of months um from start to finish they you it, it very it's evocative of like a, a a one full day yeah so like it starts out everything's very like bright and you know as the movie progresses like it, it gets into like the you know evening and like golden hour and then when it gets to nighttime you know you see all the neon lights come on and stuff which is cool but I, and that so as it shifts to night that's when it starts being like or as the time shifts darker and darker the story gets darker you know yeah. and i think that's so cool to do um even even as it's you know a span of six months it still makes you feel like oh this creeping dread here it comes oh mm -hmm. fuck man and then it ultimately just becomes this like specter like his yeah. point was like sure what they did was was bad and it changed everything but like we let it happen like mm. if if the mm -hmm. specter over everything mm -hmm. wasn't the focus and like if we realize that we had it it's kind of a little bit like everything ever all at once we were talking about yeah. about if i i know things fucking suck and i know what's happened to shitty but, but it's like if we can just hone in just on... put googly eyes on everything <laughs> it'll be better necessary. but like if we just realize how well we have it we can right. get through it and then just the 70s were the 70s right um yeah. but that's interesting yeah like the, you got this thing that's sort of happening in the background that that we know as audience members know mm -hmm. But like we're we're focused on like Rick Dalton like trying to overcome his alcoholism or whatever, right? When I'm really like this, blow this... his brains out when he gets home. <laughs> right, that's, that's so yeah. funny. But it's it, uh, it's really well done. Like you you make a really great point well, with that. It, like it's it it is about that 
that overcoming and like that optimism and, that's, and another, it's and that's another thing about the movie when i first saw it that i think i had trepidation about my 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 gushing like over the it change was... of this historical well because we'd seen it happen well before. fucking glorious bastards i mean you want to talk yeah. about it. I yeah it's become his thing but also i felt like some of the marketing misrepresented what the movie was going to be for to the margo to the margo robbie sharon take point again but also like every commercial had like that scene with manson coming to the house i felt like yeah and, like the, 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 movie, the reveal of his face to the camera yeah, in the movie he's in it 40 seconds he's yep. a dipshit and it's just he's gone yeah and that's so fucking purposeful that that uh, absolutely yes he appreciated all over again and, and that like as uh, yeah i want to expand on that a little bit like i think the movie does a a good job whether or not it's true or not we'll, we'll never know because the only people's testimonies we have are from the manson family mm-hmm. um but the the narrative that i currently believe is that it, it like he didn't tell them to kill these people it just uh, so here let me, let me go off on a side a side note um mm-hmm. tex watson is essentially the enforcer of the manson family yeah. like charles charles manson is yeah he's the guy in charge i brought all the the hot chicks there and yeah. they just want to like fuck around on spawn ranch and ride dune buggies in the desert and shit yeah. but tex tex watson is a, a out of his mind there's a, a, a thing that happened where they were brewing some kind of fucking you know trippy tea out of like a mushroom and he came in and was like oh cool what are you guys what are you guys cooking and like basically reached in with like a ladle or whatever and just chomped a big fucking mouthful of this hallucinogenic mushroom that like you are not supposed to do like they were yeah so basically he was like permanently fucked up like just it's fucking tripping constantly all the time yeah um and he was he he wanted to be famous he wanted to be he wanted to be a beach boy like well manson did i don't think tex wants to give a fuck about that okay sorry yeah i see what you're saying yeah Yeah. manson was like just trying to have like a music career and fuck a bunch of chicks yeah and not not go to jail again like he'd already been in for most of his life yeah Yeah. so there's a scene near the end where when tex and everyone's in the car and he turns he says something like now charlie said that we're supposed to go in there and murder everyone and make it look real witchy either he said that or i'm a liar Mm -hmm. which is it and so it's like oh shit like did Manson even say that? We don't see him say that. And, mm. you know, and there, there's like, and, you know, we'll, we'll never know. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll just never know. Um, yeah. So it, it's that, like, again, that specter hanging over everything is important because it, the, the point of it is that it, it shouldn't have been, and it, it's, it's not at the end of the day. If you do like that guy, he had a banner 2019 as Charles Manson because he, yep did that exact same role in Mindhunter yep. uh, and had a lot more time basically has, if I'm not mistaken, um, like I want to say like a 10 minute almost yeah. like, uninterrupted, like monologue or scene. Yep. Uh, and that show's fucking sick. And it's disgusting that we didn't get a third season. Out I know. Yeah. That, that was, that's in the second season. And I think that season in particular is very strong. Oh yeah. Cause especially the first, the whole first season is building up to like, that's where they want to get, they want to get the Manson and they get the Manson and it's like halfway through the second season, you're like, what the fuck else is going to happen? <laughs> no, that's so, it's fucking sick. Um, all right, well, let's get into performances and, and give out some awards here. So uh, we give out an MVP and an LVP. So basically just the best and the worst in the movie. Um, where do we want to start? 
I think well, it might be easier to do LVP. Oh, really? For me, MVP I, is I, super easy. Oh, I, I, it's not that easy for me. It's not easy for me either. It's not that easy for me. It, it, I mean, it's to, one to, of two. Well, to, to me, it's like, so here, to me, it's the Leonardo DiCaprio award for most valuable player. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's yeah. so good, he shouldn't even be in the running. Uh, that's an interesting point. So if I had a vote, oh, I do have a vote. Oh, right. yeah. Like, like if it was just me. Speaking of voting. <laughs> I will get there. I would go with Brad Pitt. Sure. Because I think all, like, through and through, that's a top three Tarantino character. If I'm making a list, it's mm. Hans Landa, fucking Jules Winfield, and Cliff Booth. Like, sure. And those are all three characters that are knocking that absolutely out of the park. Yeah, okay. Exactly what Spencer said. DiCaprio is, it's so hard not just from the, the trailer scene alone where he's improvising the entire thing. <laughs> which, <laughs> which scene? The scene where the freak out when where he fucks so his lines mad, up. He fucked up his lines. That's line. not in the script. Improv. Wow. Was, that scene is so, like, I love that scene. He's like, I, I have this idea. Like, this is what he would do. And Tarantino, who like isn't a, a go he does not like improvise. Yeah, he, yeah. he wants his, yeah. of his course, genius. Yeah, here's my specific words I put down on the paper. Yeah, yeah. He just let it run, wow. and so for him to do like, you know, fucking quit drinking immediately, drink, throw it outside, yeah. <laughs> threaten himself in the mirror. Hey, I just want to eat. I'm just gonna drink eight whiskey sours one night and just see what the fuck happens. <laughs> Let's not do that. I couldn't have fucking four. Yeah, I could have stopped at three or four. Fuck <laughs> eight. <laughs> And then he makes uh, a stutter and everything. Like, oh, that scene's so fucking good. But, so good, man. Yeah. I mean, that scene and then his scene as Caleb Dakota. Dakotu. Dakuto, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was Dakota. I thought it was Dakota. <laughs> You're yeah. a stupid asshole. He is, but like that scene. Him and, and Trudy. Yeah, it's so good. Everything. It, it is a phenomenal like arc that he is able to complete from like this bumbling alcoholic mm -hmm. mess right All yeah essentially a washed up has been like he's like one step away from being a husband right yeah. exactly exactly and and you know he, just that transformation is just so cool to watch i think he does such a great job and i don't think that there's anyone else who could do that i so but i also think there's no one else that could do Cliff Booth, That's the way Brad Pitt does it. I don't yeah. have a name right now, but difficulty of part, it's really hard to do that Cliff Booth part and just kind of be this like aloof nothing. Like, especially when you're Brad Pitt, especially when you're Brad Pitt. There's so much subtlety and there's also, he's so endearing when you know for a fact, this is an awful person. Like you just know this guy is the fucking shits probably and i didn't even but, realize like i said i didn't realize that until this most recent viewing yeah and that's how good he is at like oh wait a minute this guy is not really that great of a guy probably yeah like the scene so the car ride scene with pussycat is to yeah. me what cinches it because like of course that's what that character like that's just a perfect vision of what that character is is like i'm gonna go back to jeff poontang <laughs> or like i'm not <laughs> i'm not going to jeff poontang they've been trying to give him a whole life when Earlier on in the movie, I think he said that he was on a chain gang already. <laughs> so yeah. Like in jail. Yeah, that's the last time I break a sheriff's jaw. Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, it, <laughs> Although I think he said that during the flashback with Bruce, like in the Bruce Lee time. Yes. I so think maybe that's, that's made up too. Who knows? It, 
she has like such a I, I, Margaret Qualley is very good in this movie as well. Like she has such a like a very quick like nuanced reaction when he asks for her like how old she is. Like she yeah. hasn't heard that in so fucking long, and she can't believe that somebody would even ask. Yeah, like like just how damaged she's become in this. Well, world. I took it a different way. That's an interesting. I like that take too. I could see it that way. To, to me, it just seemed really um, very realistic of like a 16 or 17 year old girl like oh fuck uh hold on let me scramble to come up with something real quick like, <laughs> like taking, yeah yeah taking a like, bath like how, how right like this? oh that's so sweet of you to ask like you know like like a, a woman yeah. getting carted out of the movie theater or something like um so yeah that's uh, there's no wrong answer here so we'll just go with the, the consensus I, if i had to vote i'd go with pitt yeah, I mean, it's, it sucks that like it, it, you couldn't just be like you know some some random tertiary character that'd be you know like quote unquote more interesting. But it's like, well, I mean, these two performances are so strong. <laughs> I mean, oh, absolutely. I, I mean, honorable mentions. <clears throat> we already mentioned Margot Robbie does a great oh, job. Oh, she does a great job. She just embodies. It's so good to see Sharon. Al Pacino throwing the heat, even in just two scenes again. Like he's great in that first scene. Um, uh, honestly, like the the guy who plays Bruce Lee, I think does a fantastic job of playing Bruce oh. Lee. It's a it's a pitch perfect impression. It's really crazy. It's seamless. Even um, just like the way he like sort of bounces around and yeah, it's good. Yeah, uh, Austin Butler kind of made his name from this movie. It's great as, as Tex Watson. Yeah. Yep. It's great seeing Maya Hawk in a Quentin Tarantino movie. Oh, it's great. I love that? <laughs> Maya Hawk. She's the girl who goes back to the car. Oh the yeah, yeah, car. yeah. She's the one who goes back yeah. to the car, and she's just. She's amazing, and there's this, this is am- like there's this her amazing- energy is just so wonderful. Well, when he tosses her the keys, Tarantino does a really really neat thing, and I I don't know if it's specific framing, but he like the camera's on the hands, and he pans right up, and it's like basically a close up of my hawk's face, and you could basically just put a picture of Uma Thurman there, right? And it's just like him basically just putting like. She's the His next past one in the future, right here in this little frame. Yeah, that's it, cool. It's, really it's, like the, well it's done. the same summer, I think it was the same summer as Stranger Things, too. Yeah, and so like you're immediately just like taken to all these different kinds it's amazing. Of um, and then Dakota Fanning, motherfucking Dakota Fanning was back for a summer. So I, didn't even, I, I didn't realize she was in the movie. That's one of those people I didn't realize was in the movie. Until I, I, read I Wikipedia. forgot she was in it until I saw her, and I was like, oh shit, and she's yeah. just. She's awesome. She's awesome in it. She really is. I think she does a great job of being just like bullish and mm-hmm. mean, but also like doesn't give a fuck. Like no, whatever. No. Like I've been meaning to ask this about six times in the podcast, and I'll finally remember it now because her pointing reminded me. Uh, I'm gonna have you guys guess what was my foot tally. So how many- I was trying to keep track. If you were being very specific it's in the dozens uh i, I wasn't being that specific okay. or like that the, loose i was like well let me let me ask let me counter your question with a question mm-hmm. do you know when the what the when and what the first one was in the movie because i do um it's hold on i know the second one the second one is her dirty feet in that's correct movie in the movie theater yeah first one and it's not margaret qualley's feet up against the thing no that's later too it's not the point with the foot oh my god i know this what is it uh it's 25 minutes in and it's actually leo oh that's right (laughs) 
He's I, like, so, yes, I didn't count that. I only did women. <laughs> yeah, no, Tarantino was a lot more equal opportunity in this one. <laughs> there's two different shots. There's one in the beginning and one in the end of Leo's feet. And yeah, on Spawn Ranch, there's one. There's like one where all the fucking hippies are sitting watching TV or whatever. Every one of them has their bare feet. Yep. There's there's a double up moment where like two of them have their feet on the TV and it's just like, oh come on, that's so gross. <laughs> so uh, I only yeah, I only counted eight, but I was being like really like when it's blatant. Yeah, sure. Like eight, eight, like individual instances of feet on screen. Yeah. Sure. And then um, of course the bastard had to troll everybody and put a picture of uh Margot Robbie with her feet visible in both versions of the book, the hardcover and the paperback. <laughs> it's so funny. So funny how he, he's like, oh, okay, y'all figured it out. Fuck it, let's go. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going all in now. Embrace it. It's so all funny. Right. So we're going Brad Pitt, MVP for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Leonardo DiCaprio will be the first pick between one of us and should have been MVP for the mullets at the no, end of this year. I wrote year. it down. Yeah, I'm writing it down immediately. Uh, LVP. So I have a little list. I don't of, know, I'd have to think about it. I'd love to hear yours. Um, so I have, I have four people. Um, I got one. Three. Three of them are pretty nitpicky. I have one I really want to go with. So the first one is Zoe Belbs because I, she always bothers me as an actress. She's but uh, she was a stunt double. She was a stunt double though. Yeah, she, she was an actress. Uh, the woman who plays Kurt Russell's wife. Yeah, she's just. I know she should have stayed a stunt double. I said it in growing her. I know she does her, his stunts. <laughs> she's not a good actress. I, yeah, I do. I do like that. That it's like, oh, here's a stunt woman. I'm gonna have her be this person in charge of stunt people. That's cool. Um, but yeah, I, I get it. That's fair. Yeah, it, it's it's more it's more palatable here as opposed to Grindhouse when she's like like delivering the main. Yeah. Um, Damien Lewis is, is nothing like Steve McQueen. <laughs> and that is my actual least favorite part of the movie. Is, is that Playboy Mansion scene? The Playboy Mansion scene where he's just like yeah. monologuing them as a throuple, and it's just like, why is this kind of happening? That's but were they? Well, in, I mean, real, in real life, I don't know. Yeah, there's overtones to it. I, okay. I don't know. So maybe like, maybe it's like the truth. Like, why is the guy from Homeland who looks nothing like Steve McQueen? So that's another one I didn't realize it was Damian Winters until I read the Wikipedia article. And and then watching the movie back, I was like, that's so obviously Damian Winters in a wig. Like, I can't believe I didn't see this. Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. Uh, so in, uh, this one isn't it probably because I think she actually does okay in a role, but it's jarring to just see Lena Dunham like in the middle of this movie, just like kind of like being Lena Dunham. It yeah, sure. It takes you out of it. He did a couple other things with that Manson family, like Kevin Smith's daughter is there, and right. there's Don't another- you talk badly about Harley Quinn Smith. <laughs> well, she didn't have any lines, so I won't be as mean as I normally am. Um, so that one was one. My actual answer is the actress who plays Satan. Oh my God, thank God. <laughs> thank God. The one who plays, is she the one that, that's like, like she manic? Gets, like, you gotta dig the, it, man. Yeah. 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 Come on, man. I hate that scene. And I, I wish I didn't hate her so much because that would be one of my new characters for the show. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> okay, okay. it's maybe his weakest writing. Like that scene in the car, I'm ultimately yeah. fine with because... I think that um, everybody else in the car is very good, except for her. Well, I have, a, counter, I have every, a counterpoint. Yeah, she's like so manic, and it's like, yeah, and it doesn't fit with Let's feed them the cocks. vibe. It's yeah, like, it's like, why? It's so, so out of field. So I think Tar what Tarantino is doing with all of them, all four of them, right there, in, in like in different ways, 
shows how stupid and just like like they're not cool you know like if there's such a thing like you know like uh, they're not cool murderer serial killer fucking yeah. hell's angels like yeah they diff- they suck for different reasons you know like and i think that's hers it's like what are you fucking you're like so like whacked out on adderall or whatever the fuck it is you're on like <laughs> what was the 1969 version of adderall yeah i don't know about bitch- oh, true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah i don't know so it's just like yeah it's I, I like I like and this is something that one of the podcasts I listened to um, last podcast on the left does is like n- not not like these these people aren't boogeymen they're not monsters they're just fucking assholes who just do something stupid or you know what I mean like we shouldn't be scared of them we should realize like how fucking buffoonish they all are yeah and I, and, that's I, a great point. and I like that but but yeah you're not wrong it is very it's a grading performance you're, that's fair yeah she's um she's having a little moment too she's kind of like made this little niche so she's also one of the leads in the most recent screen movie that came out as well that's uh, where i know her from okay yeah, yeah uh, she's like one of them she's like the main the main girl in the fifth movie i think right i think so yeah the one that just came out yeah um okay. it's hard to track because there's one that's already coming out again like in like- yeah i'm so excited it's bringing back uh what's her name kirby Hayden uh, Theory. yeah she's so good in uh scream four i think uh, she's also only 23 years old. Good lord. That's she, not possible. She's 23 years old. <laughs> so that means she was 19 when they made this. Weird. Okay, that's very strange. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. She's she's my answer just for being just a bit over the top. <laughs> that's fair. You peel her back a little bit, and I think that scene that little card conversation works much better. So. I- I concur. Awesome. Uh, I have one. I feel a little bad because it's a very, it's a very sweet and sincere um, character. Mm-hmm. But the, I don't know what you even call him, like the the movie theater like attendant guy. Um, talking about yeah. <laughs> he's just like oh like you're just like a you know a guy from central casting like you're I don't know like it's just a strange. He's not the best actor in the world, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, just the, the line deliveries are just, it's so, it sticks out like a sore thumb in a Tarantino movie. Would you like to see the movie? Yeah. Like, like I know it, what you're talking about. It, 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 it gives me flashbacks a little bit to Julia Sweeney in Pulp Fiction, who to me also just sort of sticks out a little bit like a sore thumb. He always has like one or two like that. That's just like, <laughs> is this person just the person that like, is that, that guy run that movie theater and you're just it, like it made me think that like i wonder yeah because that's like a historic movie theater like the bruin you know i don't know much about it but i know it's historic mm-hmm. so yeah i was like oh is that the actual owner that's yeah. the only thing that could be i fucking love so i'm reading the cast on wikipedia trying to see if there's like if i can find who that person is and i don't see him easily well, there's a whole paragraph of just about everybody that was cut from the movie and you could make your own movie with this Incredible. an extended cut released theatrically in october 2019 so there's already an extended cut out there i don't keep reading uh included an appearance by james marston as burt reynolds our, our cuck boy james marston and a voiceover by walter goggins and then he did walton get, goggins he is a cuck because he got cut Sure, he's still the cock. He's no still the cock. Uh, Danny Strong and Tim Roth shot scenes of her cut, which they referenced Tim Roth in which the, is really, the credits. Yeah, but that's really that's really shitty. It's like your mainstay, and then you get cut from this movie. Uh, he was uh, JC brings English Butler. Why wasn't it a thing in the movie? I would love to see that. Yeah, 
who I guess his brother in real life um, was had a different name, but was interviewed by the police while investigating the Tate murders. So. I didn't realize because Jay Sebring's like a celebrity hairstylist. I didn't realize he was like <laughs> like a big shot. I mean, you figure the only other celebrity hairstylist that I know is John Peters, who ended up being like the guy that made who like produced Batman and married Barbara Streisand and like wow, okay. Like back in the day, if you were a, a Hollywood bar a hairstylist, yeah, you know, you well, get, and then you make that money too. Like oh, you course. charge extra, like that exclusivity and everything. I yeah. think he even says that like in the movie. He's like, "If I'm on set, I'm making a thousand dollars a day." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. that's right. He just say it when they're at the the right. Restaurant. And how much money is that? In nineteen sixty nine, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the people they're hanging out with, like the the one woman who who gets uh, what's her name, Abigail Folger. She's the heiress of the fucking Folger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So it's like. Yeah, they're all rich. It's just like, I didn't, okay, wow. Yeah, yeah, is that, we're in the wrong business. <laughs> the other guy, he's from Scandinavia. Where is he from? Uh, you're talking Poland? about? Yeah, there's, a, there's a random line where he's like, he's watching Voyage. television and he realizes how much better it is than Polish television. Yeah. Just <laughs> a random stray shot to Polish TV. Um, Wojkowski, Wojkowski maybe was his name? Something like that, maybe. Um, yeah. Uh, all right, so I think we, we we settle on it. Any anything else? So I so the one thing I want to mention before we wrap up was this is as referenced on the back of the box the ninth Tarantino film, and he's insistent that ten would be his last. I said that about eight. Well, technically this is his tenth, but he considers Kill Bill two movies, and I think he'll just keep doing that as long as he has things. There was that long gestating Star Trek rumor, which it seems to be dead now. Star- uh-huh. Ew, he's no, don't do that. Well, no, it was like him like writing it. Like he wanted to do a Star Trek movie with like the cast. It was just he wants the fucking work of Chris Pine. Okay, okay, maybe it'll be good. Okay, um, if it's I like think- his own standalone thing, you know, what I'm saying like I don't want to be part of the STCU or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, and then no, no cinematic universes unless it's like his own, and it's just like everyone just comes together. <laughs> oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, like Gene Roddenberry and Quentin Tarantino present Star Trek. Oh, I meant like his last movie is like Battle Royale, but with Tarantino characters that already <laughs> together. Sure. Fucking, you know, Mr. Blonde and Blonda yeah. and the Bride and uh, Chris Tucker and Jackie Brown. Just like, the, the Vega brothers. Yeah. Double teaming. Yeah. yeah, sure. The one thing I'm curious about is. Sam Jackson's going to have a hard time in that movie, man. He's going to be doing five <laughs> different characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suits and shit. I'm curious to see. What I would like him to do is something modern. Because, like, he hmm. hasn't made a movie in modern. So, Kill Bill was the last movie he made that was, like, in the present, right? And hmm. it would just be Kill Bill and Pulp Fiction is the only two he's ever, and Jackie Brown, his early stage of his career. But from. So, you're saying movies that are contemporarily placed? Yeah. From yeah, Bastards yeah. on, it was well, period pieces World War II, the 60s, slave era, you know, like. So I'm, I'm curious to see if that is very purposeful or if he, if he has like well, I think a, he has, a modern take. I think he has a belt. love of history and <laughs> historical like film, like, yeah. you know. Well, he also you know, specifically genre films, like. Right. Yes. So, yeah, like, you know, Kill Bill is, you know, modern, but it's like, you know, it's a, well, I don't know if it's a Kung Fu movie, but. There's well, no, but, but that, it, but... it very much is like the martial arts movies. Everything is yeah. basically something that he used to recommend in his video store, right? But to this 
elevated level, whether it be martial arts or or black exploitation, right? Exactly. Or, uh, you know, the the slave revenge movies, or mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what you would classify this, but um, yeah, I just I'm curious to see what he does. If I, this is a, a shitty prediction, I don't want to make. If we even get one, I think he really likes writing books and doing podcasts. Like he actually someone into what he really wanted to do. I yeah. think I think he's fine with this kind of being his like crescendo. The only thing I can see that would do it, and I think it was kind of referenced in a, a podcast he did on the on the Ringer Network, where like he wants that best director. Like that's the one thing he didn't get. He's got he's got the writing Oscars, but he never got best director. And he's that's, still I think, that, that's kind of fucked up, man. And he, and he also doesn't have best picture either. Dude, the Oscars suck my dick, dude. Like, oh, dude, trust me, I, I put way too much stock and thought into them every single year, and it's just like fucking. All right, Phantom Thread. Who gives a fuck? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> so, who cares? You're gonna have fucking ten Phantom. Dick on. <laughs> it's been a while since I've checked in with the Oscars. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Where it's like ten fucking Phantom Threads, or oh, I say nine Phantom Threads, and then the one like one cool movie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Like the fucking Shape of Water one, you know what I'm saying? Like I enjoyed the movie, but like, is that the best picture of whatever the fuck year it came out? Like, it never right. is. Well, that's why that's why some people, uh, again, it's a ringer philosophy. Like, they should give the Oscars out five years later. Like, let time stand. That's awesome. And like, I love like, that. Because like, seriously, like, so we're coming up now. That's almost next year will be the five year anniversary of of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, so I can't believe that. This was that was probably our last great movie year because this is this parasite mm. uh fucking what else am I forgetting uh Ford versus Ferrari uh, uh there, there's like a ton like I'm I'm forgetting um on top of the shit they still gave accolades to like 1917 and Joker and fucking mm. what you know whatever else yeah um but like yeah like wait those five years to see like what sticks and stands yeah. That, that reminds then, me. You know who won the first ever uh, Grammy for uh, best best metal artist? Oh yeah, it was um uh, Jeffro Tall. Yeah, not Metallica. It was fucking right, Jeffro right. Tall. Hard rocker, flutist Jeffro Tall. But, flautist. But it's not <laughs> flautist. Hmm. Um, it's not without merit that that philosophy. Yeah, t- and yeah. we say and we say it a lot on the show too. Like the movies that hold up. Right. Mm-hmm. And like the movies that have a message and that message is still applicable or, you know, it, it, sure. it, that's what makes cinema one of the best mediums and books too. What are like the most widely, you know, renowned books? It's the not Bible. something that was, well, but, <laughs> no, but seriously, it's not, but it's not like, it's not like something that was written like yesterday, no. but it, these classic movies are sorry classic books are ones that you know were published a long time ago old english all right. this yeah every every like, every high school english class has read something from 400 years ago exactly. written by shakespeare exactly I exactly know. so it, it it's like that is a testament to the quality the message like the the entire also, just being like I've taken umbrage with that thought a lot. Like I've referenced, I think I did it when we did the podcast about like Snow White, right? Like you look at any like best movies of all time, like they're not like, oh, well, Snow White is like the greatest anime movie. Well, it's like, no, it's it was the first, first one. Right. That movie is you you Snow White is not a better movie. Than I was just talking about Snow White today. 
Wait, what did you say? Spencer? I was just talking about Snow White today. Yeah. Like, when was the last time you watched it recently? We watched it for the podcast maybe like four or five years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I watched it during COVID, and I'm not saying it's a bad movie, but I was like, that bitch not even in the movie. She's in it for like, <laughs> yeah. she has like a song and a half. And the rest of it is just like fucking Three Stooges bits with the, the dwarves, which I'm yeah. down with. It's awesome. It's very funny. But I was shocked at how like the, the story isn't even about her. Right, right. But uh, right. And but at the end of the day, it's not the best animated movie. Yeah. Like, but a lot of times, people regardless take, of the. No, that's my neighbor Totoro. <laughs> people take history. Yeah. Versus like content a lot of times when it comes to like entertainment, and I'm just fucking over it. Um, right. Like, is 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 Chuck Berry the best rock and roll musician of all time? I, I don't probably not, but he was like the first. Yeah. You know? exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. So, no, I yeah, it's it's an interesting dilemma, but I'm glad that we can debate it and like you know see one thing for sure. Rick Dalton never won any fucking Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can see. You want to special guest star or something? I think so. <laughs> that, to that point, I was going to say I I could see Tarantino never winning the Oscars he wants, but getting like a lifetime achievement award in twenty years. Sure, yeah. he'll he'll get Kubrick. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, well, I mean he. I mean he's got two. I think he won. I think he won screenplay either for this or he won screenplay for Django. And of course, obviously, he won for Pulp Fiction. Um, not the award he should have won for Pulp Fiction, but the one. Yeah. Of um. So, I mean, we'll see. It's, yeah, yeah. I, I'll be there for whatever he does. I, I, I start reading some yeah. speculation soon. Absolutely. Um, I'm mm-hmm. curious to get just lost in his blabber about <laughs> mean streets, probably, but I'm there for it. Yeah, so. he's done this really incredible thing where he's managed to combine like cult movie with blockbuster movie. I don't think anyone else has done that before. Like, like, how do you have cult favorite movies that also are like box office fucking blowouts? Exactly. It's, it's insane. And this one's, it's insane. This one's an even bigger achievement because you figure this is the first one outside of the Weinstein bubble. Like yep. this Sony production but with a different kudos, editor too. Kudos to Tarantino for being like, mm, oh yeah. What? Fuck that. Yeah. He, right he, he gave me some he he did he wasn't when the allegations first came out, he wasn't exactly like, I'm cutting ties. You know, he eventually did. Yeah, right. but it was to the point where I was like, "Oh fuck, can I can I keep saying I like Pulp Fiction?" Right, right, yeah, right. I know. I I got worried for a second. It was just like, just, <laughs> yep. just do it, man. Come just on, do just, it. Just do it. Come out. Yep, yep. But yeah, it's when I so I I I found this movie online, uh, pirated it, and when it started up, it was like Sony Pictures. I was like, "Oh fuck, am I about to get a virus?" He doesn't do Sony Pictures. <laughs> uh, I, I literally. I stopped the movie to find it on Wikipedia to see who produced the movie. And it was Sony. I was like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll keep watching. Last year, for whatever reason, I feel like we had like half a dozen Miramax movies. And like our first note, every time we did it was like, oh, I feel like I have to take a half point off already. Cause I'm just yeah. in a bad mood thinking about yeah. it. <laughs> like I think that Miramax did the Lord of the Rings movies, maybe. That was New Line, I think. So I think uh, okay, good, good, good. Yeah, okay, it was, it was something like that though, where I was watching something recently and I was like, oh, fuck, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he won his Oscars for writing for both Django Unchained Django. Okay. and Pulp Fiction. Oh, that's right, because um, I think best original screenplay this year was Marriage Story, I think. I think that Which I haven't seen, sense. but, you know. I think um, that makes sense, yeah. yeah I think that's one with um, Star Wars guy. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Adam Driver. Adam Driver and, and Black Widow. And Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kylo Ren and Black Widow get married in <laughs> Marriage Story. See, I would watch it if you told me that. <laughs> 
Um, I just want to quickly cover a couple of the swerves oh, from the movie. Sake. Hurry up. Um, because you told me that I would lose this bit and I Because you didn't get... take any notes when we did everything everywhere all at once. Because and... I didn't know it was for the podcast. <laughs> You're just realizing this? So I have a swerve about he, how Cliff threw Bruce Lee into the car. That was a big swerve. That's... You didn't expect that from happening. That was a swerve. Okay, fine. What? Don't. Swerve, the movie was only 75 cents and they made her pay for it? I'm sorry, and they didn't make her pay for it? Because at first it was like they were going to make her pay for it. Are you do this every then, week? Yes. You told me to. I didn't mean to just take, track it and then at the and end of the year. And then Swerve, the murderers messed with the wrong house and Francesca <laughs> punched that girl in the face. Yeah, shout out to Francesca. Shout out to Francesca, man. We didn't talk about her. She went from sleeping. She got woken up. Punched the one in the face, took some sleeping pills, and went back to bed. You're here. She's my spirit animal. Well, she, there's a really good. I forget what it is. Something happens. Like I, she went to the, the person in the face, and someone else, like, late, like seconds later, points a gun at her, and she has this great, like, Looney Tunes style. Like she like jumps in the air and like scampers off. Yeah. It's like the closest you can get to Looney Tunes and still be a person. Yeah, yeah. She's definitely my spirit animal. I also love the the layer of revisionist history. So, like in yes. uh, in Inglorious Bastards, it's you know uh, a Nazi turncoat, like this big on everything. I love for once upon a time in Hollywood. It's just a fucking drug prick making margaritas. They tippies. <laughs> it's that I fucking love easy. It. He's just an ordinary I love asshole. It. Yeah, it's it's so good. Yeah, he like comes out in his little fucking short robe. Like, get this fucking piece of shit car off of my private drive. Dennis Hopper. I always laugh also when he goes, uh, you ginger-headed fuck. (laughs) He's just so so guttural and mad about her. Just staring horribly. And then they're like, was that? Rick Cahill? Was that? Jake Cahill? Jake Cahill. Yeah. Yeah, they're almost almost like, that was cool as fuck. Like, we got killed out by Jake Cahill. Yeah. All right, it's score time. So we do it on a, a scale of one to ten. Uh, you can go halves if you would like. We always let our guests go first. Spencer, what do you give him once upon a time in Hollywood? I mean, my my guess is say ten, but I mean, man, I had this physics teacher in twelfth grade who never gave everyone fucking hundreds because she was like, "Well, it's never gonna be perfect." Well, you oh, fucking fuck dickhead! You fucking dickhead! So fuck that! I'm gonna give it a ten. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you are, yeah, Samantha. I'm giving it a 10 as well. I love this movie. And it, it, it it's a surprise for me because I think when we first went to see it, like I wanted to see it, mm-hmm. but I think you had read something and like, you were like, I don't think you're going to like it, but I am a big Tarantino fan, but only because of you really. I mm-hmm. never really watched my mom does not like Tarantino. That's, there you go. See, my mom does not like Tarantino, but she loves Kill Bill, which is really strange. Oh, um, interesting. But yeah, my favorite movie is Pulp Fiction. I'm really into Tarantino as well. And, and I was, Surprised I liked it so much because I don't normally like movies like mm-hmm. this, um, but I, I love it. And I think it does have a lot to do with like the chemistry between like DiCaprio and Pitt sure. and yeah. all of that. Yeah, so, it's nice to see like, what, what's the, what is it? Um, it's like the opposite of toxic mas- masculinity. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You know, like their friendship is like so like, nice. They love each other. They're, yeah, and I, I think it's great. I try. Yeah. I try. Yeah, like, I, what, yeah. When they pull up uh, before FBI starts, and Leo's like, do you, do you want to come inside and watch FBI? He's like, I got a six pack ready for us, buddy. Yeah, exactly. order a pizza. Yeah, it's it. like, fuck, I want to order pizza. It's perfect. Like, it really is so great. And and I just, I think it's just a, a fabulous movie. Yeah. And like, the first thing that they do is like, Leonardo DiCaprio cries on Brad Pitt's shoulders. You know, it's like, uh, right. it's so good. He puts the glasses on him and don't, 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 like, the, don't, don't let the Mexicans see. Don't yeah. cry about the Mexicans. <laughs> 
<laughs> don't cry in front of the Mexicans. And then, um, yeah, I just, I just think it's, it's a phenomenal movie. So, we, so Pulp and Bastards, we both gave tens to, and I said those are one, two on my list. So I originally had this earmarked a tick lower, but from this conversation and picking up on so much that Spencer had and you had that I wasn't recognizing, I, I did realize yeah this is a 10 for me too i mean it, it, i i just think it is i think just all of the different emotions that this movie makes you feel and mm-hmm. i'm not about things like the manson family like yeah, no. for people who know me like i know especially you said like you, you're like interested in that kind of stuff like i steer clear of that but Oops, i don't get her started on son of sam fucking douchebag wasn't it the same summer summer of 69 uh, Certainly around the same time period. I don't know right? if it was wasn't around yeah. like the same like, time. So. See, fuck you, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but my ear just popped and Good. I was ringing. Well, it serves me right. Yeah. Um, but no, I just it like, but then the revisionist history of it like makes it more digestible as like a subject sure. matter, and I just think it does it in such a great way, and like all the juxtaposition. I just think Tarantino's. A madman. It's a 10. We uh, had watched three movies this year, and we had two perfect 10s. Uh, it, so it's going to be uh, a shitty you, year. Fuck you, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Yeah, we watched every, everything, every while once for the first time last week, and fucking loved it, if you haven't it's, seen it. It's amazing, yeah. I, it's, I, I think it's the... Like, when I, fin- I saw it in theaters, and I thought, like, how do they get away with this movie being in theaters? Mm-hmm. Like, this is a crazy movie. Yeah. It, it, it's insane. It's so crazy. And I thought for a second Spencer grew a ponytail, but it was just the cat's <laughs> tail moving. Fucking hippie. <laughs> um, <laughs> fucking hippie, get off my driveway. Well, I don't think we're going to continue, but we do have some good stuff coming down the pike. Uh, in the, let me see if I can see it from here. On the docket, we got Young Frankenstein, The mm. Curious Case of Benjamin Button, The Wedding Singer, oh. Sonic the Hedgehog 2. And what's that last one? Born on the 4th of July. We got some good stuff. And we have whatever our next guest star will be giving to us in February. I will tentatively announce who that'll be. It was the last person we had earmarked for the first season that was going to go up after Spencer. Uh, it is, I think, only his second podcast ever um, back in the old Rockcast days. Uh, one of my best, well, my longest friends uh, of all time, Keaton Matavin, and his new bride, Kim, will hopefully be joining us for the month of February. I mean, they've been married for like a while now. Well, they just, had, say, like, they just had their second ceremony. We'll get into it. <laughs> we'll be, be fun getting into getting married over COVID, but uh, that'll be our next guest star. Spencer, man, thank you so, so much for finally getting getting together and doing this. Dude, yeah, I know. We, we've, it's been on the agenda for a long time. I'm happy to, yeah. to talk talk uh, movies in general. I just love talking about movies. I don't, I don't, I didn't get to do that for the last three years during COVID, you know? Yeah. Well, we, we, did the damn thing here. Tell the people where they can find you if you want to be found and what you got going on. Oh, you can find me on Twitter at S-P-E-H-A-M. You can find me on Instagram at Spencer.Hamilton or the thing, the, the, the project I'm doing right now that I really care about is Let Sipping Dogs Lie that we talked about earlier. That's on all the Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at LSDL Show. Oh yeah, and it's um every if you're in the Chicago area, it's every it's Saturday. every Saturday at ten o'clock, uh, at least through the end of February here in 2023. Uh, Central time. That's right. Ten. Yeah, if you're in Chicago, it's ten o'clock Chicago time. Don't don't 
this theater was doing this weird thing for a long time where they were doing mountain time and just confused everybody. So they decided to just keep, just keep a central time. Yeah, uh, no, but I, I have to say like, cause we're in Eastern. And so if people who are in Eastern listen to it and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, I want to, Check out that show out. If you're in if you're in Indiana and you want to drive across the border to Illinois, you need to make that time adjustment. Exactly. Gotta be mm-hmm. prepared. Yep. So we'll see. Maybe we'll get extended. Maybe we won't. So who knows? We'll see what happens. Fingers yeah, crossed. Cross. Uh, for us, as usual, arcadeaudio.net for this podcast and the others in our network of shows, like the other two uh, shows Sam and, I, Sam and I have been on uh, regularly, The Blank Slate, we should have a new episode, um, a new draft coming your way uh, as soon as I, did I post that. No, I need to do that. I, <laughs> I did the editing. I didn't finish it, though. Um, so that's coming up. And then also, um, Tope and I's uh, Rumble episodes of the uh, Podswoggle are online. Us rewatching this year's Rumbles and uh, talking about anything but them as we watch them because those things fucking <laughs> suck. Um, Patreon.com slash Arcade Audio for bonus content. Facebook.com slash Married Movies at Mary W Movies on Twitter. Movies at gmail.com let us know what you think of the show and it is our award show season arcadeo.net slash the mullets vote in our awards from the, all the movies we watched in 2022 the best and the worst of we're competitive assholes so let us know um who wins with your votes you can find me at your host mullet 38 on instagram for you at jam with your sam and my retro wrestling diary arcadeo.net slash podwoggle that i took basically the name straight up from Spencer when he was doing his little raw, raw blogs that's still called Podbloggle. <laughs> and I am, when this is airing, will be Fall Brawl 1997. Mm. I'm in the midst of the Monday Night War. Um, and it's a good show, despite a lot of NWO bullshit by then. Yeah. yeah it gets kind of muddy. It's, uh, yeah, you hear the NWO B team theme like three times a pay per view. <laughs> it's just like, I'm really tired of it. <laughs> I want to see that much Scott Norton. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Spencer, final thoughts? Oh, I, I love movies. Me too. Samantha? What are some movies? What did you just say? What? <laughs> what are some like movies? 45 minutes That ago. should count from that Cliff Booth thing from earlier. <laughs> Cliff Booth. No, um. Great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining us, Spencer. It's always nice when there's someone else who can uh, not like distract us enough so we're not like constantly being assholes to each other. We're going to stop recording. I'm immediately just going to leave this, flip this table over and let you clean. (laughs) Sure. I'm as real as a donut, motherfucker. (laughs) For Spencer, for Sam. No, that's not the right sign off. I'm signing off for Podswoggle. Yeah, that's not the right sign off. Dumbass. Do it. For Mullet and Spencer. This is Mullet and Spencer. (laughs) What? Signing out for Married with Movies. We'll catch you next time on our couch slash table. Slash the movies. Slash, slash, slash. We got to get used to that guest star sign off again. Yeah, I completely botched it.
Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at ArcadeAudio.net.